Welcome to Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. Nate and I have worked together on a lot of different occasions, whether it's writing, videos, film, or even music. Through this, we know how hard it can be to find your creative identity among the responsibilities of normal life, while millions of others are trying to do the same thing. That's why we started this show, where we can talk about the process, learn from each other, and hopefully help you learn something too. In our first episode, we decided to talk to each other about our creative origins, where we started, where that got us, and where we'd like to go from here. So, let's just get into it. All right, Nate, can I call you Nathaniel? Sure thing. How many, uh, this is a side question, how many people call you Nathaniel versus Nate? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I think three people call me Nathaniel. Uh, my mother, uh, my fiance, and uh, <laughs> well, now you. So actually, no, that's false. A, a fourth person did. And that was the lady at the DMV when I was changing my license plate oh, okay. uh, license over. That barely so, counts, though. Uh, that doesn't count. You're right. <laughs> uh, well, Nathaniel, uh, we've known each other for a few years at this point, And we've talked a lot about video and video production because we studied that together in college and we work together uh, in that same capacity. But we've never really talked about where you first got the inkling to make that your thing, your shtick, you know? And so I'm just wondering, what was the first time you remember wanting to create something? Like, was it a moment or was it just something that built up over time for you? Sure, sure. Well, this is a funny one because it really starts back at the very beginning uh uh, in at the end of my high school career, you know, looking into what I'm going to do in college. And, and it actually starts before that. It starts in high school when, you know, I'm struggling through trigonometry and struggling <laughs> through some of the hard sciences, right? And, and realizing that that's probably not a career path that I'm going into, or at least a college career path, you know? Sure. Uh, and so in my in my research to figure out what I'm going to do in college, my, my mom's like, well, how about you you look at communications? You've always been a natural talker, a people person, and and you, you like the aspect of storytelling and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm like, okay, let's try that. So as far as like video and and, and, um, and podcasting and storytelling and stuff like that, that doesn't come up until later in the story. But uh, I think my first initial time I actually gravitated towards, you know, something creative was when I was a freshman in college and I had to take these, you know, video editing storytelling courses, right? Uh, freshman year. Um, I'm what, probably 18 years old trying to figure out how to take certain classes that don't involve, you know, using a calculator or (laughs) stuff like that. So, you know, in, in short, uh, probably about five, six years ago now that I first, uh, ventured down the creative path. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, so, so it was basically just your, your mom kind of prodding you towards the communications path and then just by happenstance in college, uh, you kind of found the the video storytelling side of it. Yeah, yeah, because um, it wasn't necessarily a prod by my mother. It was definitely a, hey, sure. you're going to go to school, so let's let's figure out uh, right. what you can do. But uh, <laughs> it, it, initially, it was like a, I went for journalism, right, and, and broadcast journalism. And so the video aspect started uh, early on, like I said, uh, doing 
I went to a, a, a school called Elizabethtown College first before I transferred to Junietta. And at, at E-Town, uh, I joined the ECTV40. So it was like the television. It wasn't a club, but we did live shows every Tuesday night. And I was the sports director. And so I got to write the scripts. I did a lot of editing for the sports segments and stuff like that. And so that was like my initial look into storytelling through a lens. And of course, that's very different from the type of video stuff that I'm doing now. But that was my first um, real venture, real adventure, I guess, in in video. And so that might be very different from you. And so I'm really interested to hear mm. about that initial, was it, what did you do first? Was it, was it writing? Was it uh, storytelling? Was it video? What were those things that you did? Well, it's it's hard for me because, uh, I mean, you talk about the figuring out what you're going to do in college. And this is the story that I told when I was a tour guide at Juniata that I had no idea. I was I had like four branching paths ahead of me that I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go. Uh, so it was the media journalism thing or it was music education or it was math or whatever. And I just didn't know. But uh, kind of in the back of my mind through high school. Uh, we kind of grew up in the most sketch comedy version of YouTube, I'd say. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you agree with that. Like, there's yeah. Smosh was going on. I watched a lot of uh, Rooster Teeth and uh, Julian Smith sketches mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. And I always gravitated towards those kind of things. And I think it was probably around senior year where uh, a couple of my friends and I, we had this a- these aspirations to make sketches for YouTube and just be creative in that way. And it started with uh, writing because we didn't really have any uh, tools for video or at the time. Because at the time, I thought you needed to have all this equipment to do all that kind of stuff. Whereas right, right. now I, I realize that it's really what you make of it. Um, yeah. But we would write these dumb sketches uh, or I wrote one, and then we talked about ideas for a bunch of them. I wrote, I wonder if I still have it somewhere. This might be fun if I can find it, and then we can read it at some point later in the future. But yeah. there's a sketch that I wrote called Both. Uh, that was B-O-W-L-T-H. And so it was basically just a, a one-minute uh, Julian Smith-esque sketch uh, about people who say B-O-T-H as both or both. Uh, oh, it nice, sounds yeah. stupid as I say it, and it probably was very stupid. Uh, but I I wrote it, and I, yeah, and so I think it was that kind of sketch comedy stuff that uh, drove me towards that field, uh-huh. uh, or wanting to do it because I wouldn't really do that kind of stuff until college. But hearing your story is interesting because I mean we've talked about your time at E Town, uh, kind of piecemeal and. Uh, that job that you had there in, in sports broadcasting. And it's funny how much I didn't realize that we had similar starts in college because oh, yeah. I went to Juniata as journalism, uh, wanting to primarily do something like film uh, or video game journalism or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't sure what the best avenue was. But so I go to Juniata for journalism and then I joined the video production team there. Uh, just by happenstance, the manager at the time, Alex, shout out, uh, was also in choir with me. And once she found out what I was doing at Juniata, she was like, oh, hey, do you want to apply for this job? And mm-hmm. and she sort of got me in that way. And that's that's what got me creating more and more because we would have these 
Like we would have clients and make videos for them, but we would have these monthly challenges of just doing a, a video with this camera uh, effect or something like that. And mm -hmm. I would always just get one of my friends, usually Evan Brock or Evan Quinter, who you know, uh, and just do these dumb sketches that were 30 seconds uh, while just shifting the depth of field or something like that. And mm -hmm. so that, that's kind of how I started is just being fascinated with that YouTube sketch comedy thing and wanting to be that kind of writer and loving movies and stuff growing up. But it wasn't really until high school, college where that kind of hit me more in waves. Um, right. But yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's fascinating. I love how uh, not many people do this, uh, but I love how you took, you, you consumed something, you became excited about that. And then you found yourself in proximity with other folks who are creating things, right? Like yeah. Alex, and you're able to replicate what you're what you're watching on YouTube, right? It comes it comes down to you know you hear this all the time, um, and, and and sort of like a YouTube cliche thing now, but it's always create over consume. But in order to be able to do the type of things that these professionals are doing on YouTube, you have to consume. You have to understand how they're doing it, how to get yeah. your own voice and stuff. And then as long as you take that extra step to to create, right, which is exactly what you did. As long as you take that step to create, now you're you're furthering your own creative path, uh, and so that's awesome. So that was what you would say probably one of your first projects that you did. Yeah, uh, I, re I actually remember specifically because I had never touched Adobe Premiere until I started at the VPT at Juniata, uh -huh. uh, and my first project was uh, they just threw me onto a cheerleading promo. All the footage was already shot because this was in spring and they shot it during football season the previous fall. Um, and so they gave me all the footage and then they just said, have at it because the, the philosophy, not philosophy, but in a way was to just learn Adobe by using Adobe. And so that was my first real experience with editing and, and cutting together a story in that sense. But yeah, then it was probably either uh, towards the end of, of freshman year or beginning of sophomore year where I did those those dumb sketches uh, with Evan. Uh, either I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're dumb. I mean, they're oh, sure. they're definitely they're they're kind of fun to watch. I mean, I've gone back uh, and and watched some of them, and it's fascinating because one of my first projects that I did, it's I mean, it's horrible now. I mean, we look back and we see these projects, and we're like, wow, <laughs> look how far we progressed. But yeah, one of the first projects I did again, I was at E Town. I think I was a freshman, and it was some calm class about. Um, like video storytelling or whatever. And one of the final projects was actually to shoot and edit a, a music video. And mm. so, and it was a great project because most of us had never touched these cameras before. We've never really done any of that. And again, it's just like actually doing something is, is how you learn, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we had to find the music that we could use and then we had to figure out how we were going to incorporate it in. And I look back on this music video. I did I did a, a song by Friends and Family. I forget the title of the song, but I got basically got a bunch of my musician friends together um, and did an actual music video. I had them playing like music to the beat and then I cut it together and, and it looked great. I mean, my mom loved it, but I look back on it now. I mean, I rewatched it just 20 minutes ago to prepare to talk to <laughs> this and, and uh, it is awful. Like... <laughs> my exposure's off, my color's off, everything's bad, it doesn't really tell a story, and yet, 
it, it was one of my first videos and I have to be proud of that starting point because before that, I mean, the most video I ever did was just taking a, on a, a taking video on my phone, right? So it's an initial step that brought me to where I am today and I can look back and say, wow, this is horrible. But it's sort of like that first stepping stone. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I was just thinking because recently I was building a new portfolio website for me, uh, for myself. And I still have, as a video example on like my, my slideshow there, uh, that first cheerleading video I did. Uh, and as I was rebuilding the website, I was like, why do I still have this on here? <laughs> and I, th- I thought to myself, well, one, it is kind of one of my, my only examples about just those kind of hype up uh, videos right. and things right. like that. But it also is kind of a testament to, okay, look at this video. Now look at this one that I just did and look at the difference. And so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a way to quantify, I guess not quantify, but qualify uh-huh. uh, the growth I've had since freshman year. And that's so important in a career field like this uh, or, or just being a creative is seeing growth. I mean, we're going to get to that in a little bit, but it is so important that you see that otherwise uh, it, you can sort of stagnate and you can sort of get lost in, in, uh, and not be able to create. And that's the worst thing to go through. I mean, they call it writer's block for a reason, right? Absolutely. And, and that's something that we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, but I'm interested now to sort of move forward into what was kind of like one of our first paid projects. I know you briefly talked about the VPT and some of the projects that you got paid doing that. I've got a couple on my list that were, that were still, early on in my career, but I got paid to do so. Do, do any, uh, come out in your, in your head as, you know, your hmm. first paid project? Well, uh, yeah. So, so I did a, a few, uh, projects with the VPT in my first couple of years, but, but probably the one that jumps out at me the most that I led on was towards the beginning of sophomore year where I worked with career services at Juniata and we did a, a video series. Well, they had already done two videos, and then I just uh, shot and edited the the last installment. Was with the the school mascot Alfie getting a job through Career Services, and so it was just mm-hmm. kind of a a cute uh, sketch kind of thing, uh, advertising what Career Services can do for students there. And so that kind of sticks out to me because that was one of my real first exposures with. Just a kind of the the whole onset experience. I mean, obviously, it's it kind of barely qualifies as onset, but just in that it was me and another person on the crew behind the camera, and then we were working with career services on the script, and working with Alfie as the actor, and then working with the people from career services who would be in the video as actors, and so mm-hmm. that kind of kind of sticks out to me. Uh, also, partially because that project. Um, well, it was kind of decided for me because since it was a part three, they already had everything figured out. Uh, uh-huh. And so it was just kind of a, an interesting lesson for me of, uh, you know, taking direction from others, I guess, is, is the way to say that. I mean, the VPT kind of inherently had a collaborative environment, but specifically in that sense with the, the clients uh, and the previous videos already there to fall back on. Um yeah, that's probably the one that sticks out to me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, mine's uh, 
Mine's quite interesting. Uh, it was actually a, a wedding. It was my first sort of freelance wedding gig that I did uh, with, a, with a friend actually at E-Town. The wedding was um, also on E-Town's campus. This was a few years back. Hmm. And uh, it was my first paid gig. I think I think we were quoted to do like a thousand dollars, and we were going to split five hundred a pop. And so that's like that's really big money for your first project, right? And the, the thing about weddings, and I'm sure you, you know many people know this, but with weddings you don't get redos, right? You, <laughs> it happens, and you have to capture it. And if you don't, well, that that just sucks. Yeah. Um, and so of course we're we're both trembling as soon as the wedding starts, making sure everything's working. Um, and here's the best part of the story. So we come in with, we have two different cameras. We have, uh, I was shooting on a Canon 80D. It was one of the first cameras I purchased. Uh, and my friend was shooting on like a T3i or something. So just another Canon DSLR. And uh, well, right before the wedding starts, his camera just stops working. <laughs> so we're down to one camera and this sort of like DJI mini Osmo camera steady cam thing that the picture quality was awful and everything, but we had those two cameras left. We had that little steady cam and we had my, my camera. So we threw my camera on, on a tripod to just make sure that we got, uh, you know, the initial shots, we didn't lose anything. And then I was, you know, in, in the front of the church with this little steady cam thing, trying to get some shots, uh, some creative shots of the wedding. Well, <laughs> You know, I'm getting these really cool sweeping shots of all the people coming down the aisle and sitting down. And then right as soon as the bride's about to walk down the aisle, I get this notice on on this little DJI camera thing. (laughs) And it says it says uh, SD card at capacity or something. Turns out the SD card was a 15 gigabyte SD card, and I completely just filled it up with just random people walking into into the church and i'm there sitting in the front of the aisle like in the very front right next to the priest uh and i'm pretending to keep shooting video because here's the bride and the groom going through the whole wedding and i I, i'm just like sweating because i'm not capturing (laughs) the footage i'm hoping my buddy's capturing the footage and uh and it turned out you know at the end we were able to edit the one cam footage together and we did all this stuff uh, the only part that we got paid, like, I think we got paid half the amount because they were supposed to give us the other half after. Uh, and that's one mistake we made. It's, you know, the way they got the video and they just ran away with it. Wow. But that's, that was my first paid gig. And you know, what's surprising is that I'm still in the business. I didn't, I didn't let that scare me, even though it, it was really, really, really scary. Yeah. That would be mortifying. Oh my! Uh, it's me. Yeah, I, I remember. There's an example of that where uh, at one point Alex and I we were gonna do a video project with the local hospital at Juniata. Um, mm-hmm. Something ab- about uh, a new wing that they're opening up, and that whole day was just a kind of a nightmare because it turned out that we had forgotten uh, batteries for one of the cameras, which is the rookiest of rookie moves you can oh, make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have my license at the time. <laughs> and, and so she Your had to go license. back. Yeah. Uh, so oh, she my. was like, Oh, take my, my car back. And I was like, I can drive. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can, but I don't know if you want that on your conscience. <laughs> and, and so she drove back and then I just like stalled them for a yeah. little bit. 
Uh, and Smart so she, yes, she came back and then we, we, I shot, uh, some interviews, uh, in one of the main, uh, I guess, break room, screen rooms. And then she was doing some more, uh, moving camera work, just kind of B-roll things, mm-hmm. uh, down in the lobby. Uh, and then it turned out that that project never even happened. Like we shot oh. all of that and then we just never heard from them again. Really? Yeah, and so that was that was close to a mortifying thing for me, uh, and I'm sure there are many more uh, that just aren't coming to mind. But yeah, I I can empathize yeah. with just that moment of pure terror yep. uh, as you're on set to shoot something. Yeah, there's and something it, goes wrong, right? Yeah, the, and the, it's nothing like it. <laughs> and and there, you know, the majority of the the folks who will probably listen to this podcast who are amateur to you know, semi-pro people, uh, creatives, uh, they all understand that because that happens to everyone. And it's not until you've got four backup cameras and four backup shots and four backup mics, uh, that you, you know that you are okay if something goes down, but when you're just starting off and you've got two camera, it's a two camera production and you don't bring the good mic. So you've got to use the internal mic you know what that sound, that feels like. That just yeah. it's like a pit in your stomach, and everyone feels that, and everyone goes through that. and And it's important that we talk about it because it, it uh, this can kind of bring us to our next point of what was that turning point for continuing creativity instead of running away from it. Right? These are two examples of we you know we could have just completely thrown all of the equipment away and 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 stopped with that high stress situation, but what? What allowed us to continue moving forward? What was there a specific project or anything for you like that? Well, it's it's funny because I, I feel like this is uh basically an answer to this question and the previous question. Uh but you're very familiar with this moment as we shot the Y Men, which was my senior uh thesis film. Uh and there was a moment where we were about a, a third of the way through shooting, I'd say. And then my Seagate hard drive, uh, not to put oh. Seagate on blast or anything, but it just kind of died. But to put it on blast, that was your senior project. Yeah, and and luckily I had some of the footage stored elsewhere, but all of the stuff that we had just shot, uh, like mm-hmm. the previous night or something like that, that was gone. And some of it was meaty, like stuff that I yep. had intentionally put early on so that we could yep. get it out of the way for the actor's sake. And so that was a moment where uh, I I just kind of took 20 minutes to freak out internally mm-hmm. uh, in a public space, of course. Yeah, um, of course. Of course. So I was just sitting there freaking out and I took 20 minutes to wallow in that sadness. And then I just thought, well, this has to get done. There are a lot of people on this project who are counting on me to figure this out whether it's for their own experience or people who just want to see it or even my advisors uh mm-hmm. who are working with me on the project i just needed to figure out a way to do this and so i just rescheduled and i told everybody what happened uh and doubled down some shoots on, on a couple days uh mm-hmm. while trying not to you know put too much on too much weight on the actor's shoulders uh, or on everybody's shoulders, really. Uh, and it it was kind of a turning point because uh, there was talk early on through that shoot where some of my advisors would tell me, 
uh, you know, it's okay if you only do a few scenes and then you showcase that at the end of the year. Right. And I was like, okay, well, that's good to know. But in my head, I thought there is no way I am not doing this whole thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. Which was maybe a little insane because it was, you know, a 46-minute film it ended up being uh, yeah. while doing, a, like, being a full-time student. Yeah. Uh, but we, we made it work, and it was basically just a, a turning point in my my drive to see the product through and make sure that I could feel fulfilled. Because if we didn't do all of it, I probably would not be the same creator, quote-unquote, that I am today. Uh, because I would still have all of that in my head or in my tank, and I would right. need to get that out before I could move on to other projects. But being able to get it all done after that kind of (gasps) moment uh, Mm -hmm. was kind of crucial. That was a turning point in your leadership. It was a turning point in your your goals to become a a director or producer, right? That was so important in your growth uh, as a creator for that to happen because it happens to one, it happens to everyone. And for it yeah. to happen while you had the support of everyone around you in school, while you while you still had the time to, you know, take a break, realize, oh, this happened. All right, take a deep breath. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, To have that drive is so huge. And like you said it perfectly, you have the story embodied in you. Like the story is you came up with it. So whether or not you created it, it would have been you. It would have been inside you. But the fact that you were able to get it out on paper and you were able to get it out onto the screen it means yeah. so much to you as, as as you know as a director right and that's that's so that's such a great story and the other thing that i was just thinking about is although you may have had to reshoot a lot of those shots because this was a whole semester long you know film the the continuity probably helped more as the seasons changed because you had to reshoot some of those right that's just something that came kind of came up at the end right yeah yeah cuz cuz i intentionally scheduled uh, a lot of the indoor shots because we started shooting in February and right. it was and hell it was snowing out. Yeah. And, and so we wanted to make sure that it w- there wasn't snow on the ground for the outdoor shots. So right. we saved all that for the back half of the shooting schedule and tried to do all the indoor stuff first. But yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely helped with uh, just kind of, you know, if you could see out a window or something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, that was really different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you say would you say that wedding moment was your aha moment, or is there well, something else that comes no, to mind? No, that was definitely not an aha moment. I'll try to do this one fast. My aha moment actually was one of the short videos that I created. It was called A Climber's Passion. It was with one of my friends. We went out and climbed uh, some rocks uh, uh, out near Huntingdon. And it was just sort of a short video that I made. But the, the best part, and the reason that this video turned out okay was or or was the turning point was because I shot it primarily outside. I shot it uh, an interesting subject. We were, you know, climbing, rock climbing. Um, and I shot it during golden hour. So all of my footage pretty mm-hmm. much looked great. I didn't have to worry about, you know, the color correction. I didn't have to do any of that. And, and the story behind it was all um, audio, all interviews that I shot. So all I had to do was shoot the interviews, make sure I got good uh, content for that. And then I was literally strapped to the side of this rock mountain. Like, uh, I was hooked into a harness with my camera while my friends were, you know, climbing up 20 feet of rock. And it was just such a fascinating, um, 
thing to do. Uh, and so that was sort of my like, wow, this is awesome. I would love to, you know, continue to do these sort of neat projects. Yeah, that's that's kind of the aha moment in the other direction from mine where it's the wow, everything is coming together and in and in just in, and yeah, you feel that I, I guess this is a cheesy way of saying it, but that energy inside of you uh, that, wow, I could do this for a long time and be happy. Right. Right. And then, and then kind of the first time that I recognized that growth or maturity, it, it, it actually takes me back to when I was studying abroad in Germany. I did some video stuff in Germany as part of my schooling, my uh, studying abroad. Uh, the thing is all of the editing softwares, Adobe was all in, it was all in German. And so I was I was creating these videos and I didn't have my own computer with Adobe software on it. I was editing and creating these videos using the Adobe Premiere Pro, but it was all in German. And so right. after I, you know, I, I kind of knew what the words meant, but, you know, there's so many things. It was really overwhelming. But once I created a whole project using that, you know, software, but in German, I realized what is stopping me from doing this at home? There's not this language barrier. I can completely understand everything as soon as it's in English. It's time for me to like actually hold myself accountable and actually create things I say I'm going to create. And that was a big growth and turning point for me uh, moving forward. And then I went when I went back to school, I started creating so much more content. Yeah, I I, that, I can definitely relate with that that feeling of having mental roadblocks saying, okay, well, this is a reason why I can't do this. But you taking that opportunity as just a, well, this is just another obstacle that I could overcome. And that that's kind of a, a, re, a very key thing uh, to have in your mindset, uh, which is something that I still struggle with from time to time, honestly. Uh, so yeah, that is definitely a good thing to think about. Before we get back to our conversation, we just wanted to tell you that if you ever want to get in touch with us or be part of the show, you can do so by emailing askwtd at gmail.com. Whether it's a topic suggestion, a question for the two of us, or just general feedback, that email address is the easiest way to reach out. Since this is a podcast for normal people by normal people, we want to be as interactive and receptive as possible. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, enough of that. Let's get back to it. So we've talked about all of these different projects since our kind of creative inception uh, to now-ish. As we're now graduated from college for about a year and a half uh, and in the professional world, where do you want to go now? Where, Where do you think you've grown the most? since college and where do you, where would you like to grow more? Hmm. Well, the, the neat part about, you know, being creative and you could probably attest to this is that there's no such thing as mastery. I mean, you can watch all these YouTube YouTubers and all these other, you know, filmmakers who, you know, can create these awesome things, but there's never mastery. And they probably look back at their work and they say, ah, well, I bet you we could have done this and it would have been better. And that's the most fascinating part. And so for me, um, where I've, you know, grown the most is I've had the opportunity to, 
you know, to go back and to study abroad and to do these things in, in other countries and, and talk to these fascinating people and tell these people's stories. And so one of the segments that I did when I was in Brno in the Czech Republic was I was I, I went as an uh, an intern. So I did journalism as an intern right after I graduated college. And so this was one of the first steps outside of the U.S., uh, aside from my study abroad in Germany, where I uh, was kind of on my own and I had to talk to these people and tell their stories. I mean, I interviewed a, a um, I created a video on a, a yogurt shop, on, on a, a bakery, on a pub. Uh, and so I got to talk to these people and tell their stories and and this was the the fascinating part was I had to focus not only on, you know, trying to get through the language barrier, trying to tell their story correctly, but also make sure that I had the exposure correct. I had to make sure I had the color correction correct. I had to make sure that my shutter speed and my aperture, I had to make sure everything was perfect. And that's what makes it so tricky. And so when I realized that I could do that there and I was able to create those things there under those circumstances... That's where I realized, well, I can continue doing this. It was sort of like a step up of that ex- of that experience I had in Germany, right? So, yeah. so those are sort of specific projects. And where I want to grow more is this one. This one's tricky because, like I said, we're always continuing to grow, right? And we're always continuing to uh, make our projects look more mature and look better in a way, more cinematic almost, or tell a better story. Um, but for me, it's when I see something that I do that I need to change, that I need to fix, right? I need to create something shortly after that and fix it so that I can get it ingrained in my mind. And and sometimes I don't get the opportunity to do that. And so I make the same mistake over and over and then it doesn't go anywhere. So that is something that I need to continue to push myself to do. And I'm, I'm interested to hear about you and sort of that growth that you're seeing or things that you're trying to push yourself to do. Yeah. Uh, I, in, in terms of growth throughout college and, and since then, uh, I mean, doing the whole Wyman thing, I kind of found a new love for directing because that wasn't really something I had done much of beforehand outside of the sketches or uh, videos I did with the VPT and things like that. But in that moment, I just loved being able to work with the actors to find their this is this is an overword overused phrase, but find their truth within the scene. Uh, that was something that that I just kind of gravitated towards unexpectedly. Um, and so it's it's hard for me to do that again, especially nowadays uh, with all of us being inside and all. Uh, because there's not much I can do to get that experience back until we go out and do it again. But from where I want to grow more, it's kind of where I have so many writing projects in my head, and I just need to get one of them down so that I can move on to the next thing. Because before I thought my, my problem was idea generation, and coming up with new ideas. I thought that's always where I fell flat. But then in the past year, I just keep thinking of different things that I want to do. And I, I think it's kind of my my need to get something done and finished so that I can move on and do something else mm-hmm. uh, is where I need to grow. Because in order to, to keep improving as a writer or a director, I just need to keep doing it. But if, if I can't finish a, a writing project... Uh, because I'm multitasking on so many different things, then it's it's hard to 
move on in that way if if that makes sense right. no that that really makes sense and and i agree in that I love how you talked about your transformation of thinking that it was a a generating content problem or generating idea problem, but rather you just needed to get that down. And I understand as a lots of students understand that, especially when just like writing essays or something, it's so daunting in the beginning. Like you have great ideas, but just to think that you have to, you know, pull out a 20 page paper from those initial ideas, it's so daunting. But, but one of the things that I looked up was, um, just like what are some ways to inspire creativity and what are ways to you know create something out of that and one of them at close to the top of the list was actually like cover your monitor it's kind of like it's kind of like um typing away putting all those thoughts onto paper getting them out into the world without worrying about typos without worrying about grammar without worrying about any of that and just getting a physical copy i know we talked about this briefly on the other podcast about you know um about how we go go about creating these projects and you just have to get it out in the world on a piece of paper and then you can worry about the rest and to get those ideas out there you can then work them polish them and figure out if this is something that you can continue to go down and 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 uh and actually create from beginning to end a story or if it's like oh this is actually a piece of something that isn't a full story in itself but we can come back to that later or we can incorporate that later in a different story right yeah, and I, I've talked to you and to others about this moment, but there's there was nothing like printing out my first full copy of the Y Men and just holding it in my hands because yes. no matter what happened, that was at the end of the fall semester, and no matter what happened in the spring semester with shooting and editing and all that, at least mm-hmm. I had that, and we had kind yep. of a, a Bible of sorts to go back to and yep. and to refer to and maybe adapt or, or edit things. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it is just having it's that real. physical thing in front of you, knowing yeah. that it, it exists somewhere in the world that isn't just my head is such a big thing. Yep. Yep. That's so big. And it's so real. You're holding that piece of paper, all of those thoughts and ideas out there. And no one had to look at it to notice that that was a huge accomplishment for you. I mean, to see you holding that and I could <laughs> feel that like, wow, this is going to be something. This is real. Yeah, yeah, that's huge, dude. That's awesome. So to wrap up our, our conversation for this week, uh, we have a, a little ending segment that we want to do with each episode called Definitely Not Procrastinating, where we talk about something we read, whether it's a book or an article or a video we watched or a show we watched, uh, something from this past week that just influenced us in our creative work or just inspired us to to get up and do something uh so nate what were you definitely not procrastinating with (laughs) so i i i I, there's two things that i want to talk about here real briefly one thing is whenever i feel the need to um take a break from creating something but want to continue that urge to or continue to you know brainstorm of what can i do next i usually take a walk and I put on uh, on Spotify uh, cinematic film music or something, and mm. and as I'm walking and you know taking in the fresh air and getting away from the the screens, my brain starts to just go like, what sort of cool shots can I get with this music? Am I am I thinking drone? Am I thinking some sort of really smooth gimbal cinematic shot? And that's sort of the way that I I start to process like some of these uh, creative ideas. How can I get them out? away from the screen, right? I need to get away from the screen because I have a nine to five job where I'm in front of the the screen the whole time. 
how can I start to create these this stuff without without being in front of that screen for a couple more hours? So that's the first thing. But then something else that I watched this past week, I noticed YouTube has started um, showing not necessarily indie films, but documentaries and stories um, for free just with ads. And I don't know if this is a new thing or if I just found it, but I started watching, it was called Just Eat It, uh, a food waste story. Huh. And some of the, some of this stuff is fascinating because I'm interested in like, you know, food waste and I'm interested in all of these uh, problems that our society has. Right. But, but the interesting part is that they use such great storytelling technique. They have awesome audio uh, clips. They have awesome B-roll and cinematic shots. And they piece these together into these hour and 15, hour and a half, um, almost PSA-like videos that at the end, I'm like, well, I'm going to go for two years and not eat any food that isn't going to go to waste. Like, I'm going to go out there and dumpster dive. I'm going to do all this stuff. Hmm. And it like... (laughs) It forces me to continue to be creative and to look outside the, well, I'm not just going to shoot video because it looks good. I'm going to tell a story, right? And so those are two things that I did this past week and that I'll probably continue to do whenever I have either a, a blo- uh, imagination block or a creative block or anything like that. But but what about you? Well, uh, I mean, we joked about it before we started recording. It would be very easy for me to just talk about WandaVision every week, uh, but I'm not going to do that, at least not until the series ends. But instead, uh, recently, just uh, this past week on YouTube, uh, this user came up named Pony Smasher, uh, who people might know as David F. Sandberg, Sandberg, excuse me, uh, who is a director. I believe he did the Conjuring movies uh, and has more of a horror uh, a horror background. Uh, but the most mainstream thing he's done done was he directed Shazam. Uh, for DC and Warner Brothers. And he has a YouTube channel uh, that just popped up in my recommendeds because he put up a video uh, last month called Can You Be an Introvert Director? And I thought, hey, yeah. I I mean, at first I thought it was going to be a video about why you can't be an introvert director and I was going to take offense to it. But then I watched I watched the video and he he really talks his way through it uh, because he is an introvert director and and not being the bombastic uh, set controller that people might think of when when you think of film directors. And it was a really fascinating video uh, to watch. and, And he just has a lot of good videos that he's continued to do even since he started doing some big uh Hollywood blockbuster videos. He still does these shorts that he puts on YouTube uh, and uh, just videos about like tools that he uses and cheap alternatives and things like that. And uh, just kind of a really cool director who has done all these big projects, but is still giving back on the platform where he started, uh, or I believe that's where he started at least. And so it is kind of just a, a cool thing. Uh, and I, I really appreciate the insights that he gives on there. So, yeah, Pony Smasher on YouTube, David F. Sandberg. It's good stuff. Wow, that's awesome you found that. That is pretty much like, that's you, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that is you. Yeah, minus the horror background, but yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, uh, you did work on a couple horror stories. Uh, I worked in, on uh, one, on yeah. The VPT, yeah. So yeah. there you go. There Which you was go. a shock for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Nate, uh, where can the people find you? Well, uh, it's been a while since I've used my Twitter, but I'll be jumping back on and uh, uh, using it a little more often. Uh, you can find me at Nate Ulrich 16. So that is at N-A-T-E-U-L-R-I-C-H-1-6. And uh, if you find me there and you ask questions about the podcast or anything, of course, uh, I'll answer them and we can continue the conversation outside of our recording studio uh, on Twitter. And and what about you? Well, my Twitter is at the Jacob Novak, which I know how it sounds. It's all I could get. I, Jacob Novak is also a professional wrestler who hasn't tweeted since 2011. I guess, so I'm stuck with at the Jacob Novak. Uh, but that's where you can uh, find me. And I, I tweet every now and again. I like to basically quality over quantity, just when I think I have something funny to say or I'm really hyped up about soccer. Uh, but yeah, like you said, just uh, reach out if, if you want to talk about anything. Always cool. happy to. Cool. We'll try to get those blue check marks next to our name. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.